This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And hello, welcome to Worship with West Concord as we gather yet again online. What a wonderful thing we're able to do. I hope you're having a good day, and I hope you've had a good week. And let me especially say Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you're being pampered and taken care of, and hope you have a great day celebrating with your family. We're going to continue this morning as we move into the scripture with our series on the book of Malachi, Back from Captivity. And we're going to look at the second part of the second oracle. Remember I told you that Malachi is set up with six different oracles or burdens that God wanted to share through Malachi to his people. Because Israel, as we are, was climbing out of captivity. They had been in captivity with Babylon for 70 years because of sins committed. God used the captivity to sort of try to clean them and cleanse them. And sure enough, it did. But only 100 years after the captivity, they were beginning to slip back again. They were beginning to be apathetic and complacent and losing their zeal for the God that delivered them. And you might be asking, Pastor, it's Father's Day. Why aren't you preaching a Father's Day message? Well, as we get into the passage, you're going to see that this is a Father's Day passage to a certain extent, because we're going to talk about the leadership in Israel, and we're going to look to a certain father as a role model. And so let's get into it, back to captivity, or back from captivity. And I want to begin this this morning by sharing with you a quote about leadership from five-star general and former president Dwight Eisenhower. And he said this about leadership, and it'd do well for us to hear it. He said, in order to be a leader, a man must have followers. Makes sense. And to have followers, a man must have their confidence. Hence, the supreme quality of a leader is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible. No matter whether it is on a section gang, on a football field, in an army or in an office. If a man's associates find him guilty of phoniness, if they find out that he lacks integrity, he will fail. He will fail. His teachings and actions must square with each other. The first great need, therefore, is integrity and high purpose. That was the problem in Israel at this time. The religious leaders, the priests, who are supposed to be setting the temperature, setting the bar of spirituality, were dropping the ball. They were dropping the ball. And God needs leaders to rise up and lead His people. And just like He needed leaders in Malachi's day, He needs leaders today. And I think you would agree with me, with all the things going on in the world, The church of Jesus Christ is dying for men and women to rise up and to lead. But that means we have to be bold. We have to be strong. Uh, A source unknown said this. uh, This person said, do not follow where the path may lead. You know, if if there's a path there, somebody's already done the leadership. Don't follow the path that exists. It goes on to say, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail, leave a path. You be the path setter. You be the trailblazer. So as we get ready to jump into Scripture, we're going to talk about leaders. And I'm going to share with you, by the way, today and even then, who the greatest leader in the world world is. So let's have a word of prayer. 
Father, we are so grateful to be here this morning or today or whenever this video is being watched and listened to. Father, I pray for all those who have, who have come on board and are watching and listening. Father, I pray that you lead us to your truth, lead us to your word. For Father, it is adherence to the truth that is going to take us through these difficult times. Father, I pray for the dads who are out there listening today, that you'd bless them and give them a great day. I pray, Lord, for the, those who have lost their fathers. My father passed away many years ago. I miss him terribly. I pray for them that you'd comfort their hearts with good memories. And Father, those young men, Lord, who, who aren't fathers yet, or fathers who want to be fathers, Lord, I pray that you'll just encourage them as men to be leaders in your church, leaders in this world, as we seek your face. Bless us as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've said before, the book of Malachi is a rather stern, strident book. And God sometimes has to be that way because His people had left behind their zeal for Him. Oh, they weren't chasing after all the things they were chasing after before the captivity, but nonetheless, they had lost their, their zeal, their excitement, and so therefore they were going through the motions. And uh, they were bringing poor sacrifices to the Lord. We saw that last week, second-rate sacrifices. Instead of giving God their very best and brightest, they were dragging in the, the uh, lousy leftovers to, to dump on the altar and hopefully make God happy so they can get on with their life. Boy, that's what we do, and we need to not do that. But we need to get people who will lead us in that direction. And that's what Malachi, he's going to give a word to the wise... And also to the otherwise, those who aren't exactly using wisdom, specifically the priest leaders of Israel in that day, the men of the tribe of Levi, whose task it was to be the religious leaders before God and before the people. So I want you to notice as we get into this that God, right off the bat, gives a rebuke to these leaders. The reason why the children of Israel... We're bringing in these second-rate offerings with lackadaisical worship is because the leaders weren't leading them properly. And he says this in chapter 2, which is if you have your Bible, turn there. In chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. Now, we said last week that all believers today are priests, and that is true, but he's directing this specifically at leader priests, those who are in leadership positions. And so today, I'm talking to leaders in the church, leaders in the family. And uh, it could be men or women who lead in the church and leaders in the family. And so now, O priest, this commandment is for you. So he's going to rebuke these leaders, and he's going to give them a command, but with a caution. First of all, he gives them a warning. Look at verse 2. He says, if you will not lead, or you will not hear, rather, and if you will not take it to heart... To give glory to my name, says the Lord, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. The command was to glorify His name, to glorify God. And yet they weren't doing it. He's telling them, He's warning them. He's saying, look, if you don't do this, then I'm going to send you a curse. And as a matter of fact, priest, you're already experiencing it. Evidently, the nation of Israel was already experiencing difficulty. And these priests, as they 
forgot to lead, the people therefore didn't follow, and they're already experiencing difficulty. So there's the warning to the leaders. And then he gives them an interesting warning about their legacy. And I want you to notice as we move into this, how yes, this is going to turn in to a Father's Day message. Because let me say this, today the greatest leaders in the world are the fathers in the world. The greatest leaders are the fathers in the world. This is not to take away from mothers, but biblically speaking, the man is to be the head, the spiritual head of the home, and, and the leaders in the church. Now again, that doesn't take away from women. That doesn't mean men are better than women. Please don't send me emails. Yet, this is not politically correct. It is biblically correct. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that Adam was the one who ate of the fruit that was forbidden with his eyes wide open, and it was Adam who plunged humanity into sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us the same thing. For by one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, death by sin. So Adam, the man, was the cause, and God has given men the mantle of leadership to draw us out of the mess that Adam had made. And so, fathers, you hold the place of the greatest leaders in this world. Because, again, remember, God created the family first. He created the family before He created the state. He created the family before He created the church. And it is the fathers who will either lead the generation that we live in toward God, or, God forbid, they drop the ball like the fathers in the nation of Israel did. So he's going to talk about their legacy. And he says in verse 3, he says, Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feasts. In other words, the, the, the leftovers of sacrifices. And, and I know some of you are watching this as you eat breakfast, so I'm not going to get into the graphic detail of what he's talking about here. I think you can figure that out. But what he's saying is, he's, I'm going to rub your face in your, in your apathy. I'm going to rub your face in it. And he says, and, the, and, the, and I'm going to also spread it on your descendants. He says, and the one and one will take you away with it. In other words, you will be cast aside just like the remnants and the waste of your sacrifices are cast aside. And so he's basically talking about this curse, not only on them, but on their descendants. And please understand this. When a leader drops the ball, those who are following him suffer. Those who are following him are, are harmed by that. And it's the same thing in a family. When a father, a believing father, spiritually drops the ball, then he starts issues with not only within his own family, but if his kids aren't raised up to rever revere and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, chances are their kids won't either. And then you start a multi-generational slide. And so he gives this command, glorify the Lord of hosts. He gave them a warning, there is a curse coming. And not only on you, priests, but on your descendants. I will rub your face in the waste, and just like the waste is tossed away, I will toss you away too. So he gives this commandment with a caution, but he also gives a proof with a promise. Because this is what he finishes saying in this section, verse 4. He says, then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you. In other words, God's saying, I mean business. And understand this about God. God keeps His word. God keeps His word when He promises us good things, and we're glad about that. But God keeps His word when He promises us discipline. 
I remember my father, if my father told me that when I, whatever I did when he came home, I'd be dealt with, my father never forgot. He never said, well, I, I'm too busy. I wish he would have sometimes, quite frankly, but he always kept his word one way or another. I had a great father. I love him and miss him terribly, but uh, he was a good father because his desire was to make me a good man, and uh, I hope I haven't let him down. But he goes on to say, then you shall know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. And this is where we get into Levi, the founder of the tribe of Lehi, the Levi, the patriarch, or the father of the priestly tribe of Levi. You know, he made a covenant or contract with Levi that if Levi and his, and his tribe would be the priests of Israel, God would bestow upon them special blessings and he would take care of them and he would be honored by them and he would honor them. But after Levi, as the nation of Israel cycled through its history, somebody somewhere, grandson, great-grandson, great-great-grandson, dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. One father in the line messed up. And because of that, the, Le Le the Levitical priesthood was still struggling. So let's look at Levi. We see the rebuke uh, of the priests, of the leaders. So let's look at the role who, who, that Levi filled, the role model of Levi. And I want you to notice, first of all, Levi's position. You can go all the way back to Genesis to get the more details on this. But in verse 5, it says, My covenant, my contract was with him, one of life and peace. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. And so he feared me and was revered before my name. In other words, Levi was a good man. He was a godly man. He was an obedient man. And God gave him these responsibilities. And he was to be honored by these responsibilities. I mean, if somebody in a high up position feels like they want to bestow upon you a commission or, an, or, or, or some kind of responsibility, you feel a sense of honor. You feel a sense of privilege. And this is what Levi felt because the God of all glory gave him responsibilities. He said, I gave them to him that he might fear me or respect me. And so he did. Levi followed through. Levi was great. And he was revered before my name. Did you catch that? And he was revered before my name. Uh, isn't that something? Wouldn't you and I like to be revered before God's name? In other words, when God looks at us, He, he is excited for us. He, he, he is appreciated by us and appreciative of us. God had high, uh, a high image of Levi. God held Levi in high esteem. And so he was a great role model. So that was his position. Let's look at his practice. It says in verse 6, What got him to the place where God revered his name? Well, look at verse 6. The law of truth was in his mouth. In other words, the law of God, the law of truth was in his mouth. He spoke the truth. He preached the truth. It goes on to say, And injustice was not found on his lips. He didn't lie. He didn't tell bad stories. He didn't, he didn't fool people. Nor did he condemn people, call names. You know, we're living in the day and age where if you disagree with somebody, you call them a name, you disparage them online, you, you say ugly things about them. Uh, Levi didn't do that. 
He was a man who was a man of integrity. He had the law of truth in his mouth, and no injustice was found on his lips. He also says this, not only was there a talk, but there was a walk. He walked with me in peace and equity. He was a fair-minded man. Peace and equity. And notice as we, as we finish this section, uh, verse 6, and turned many away from iniquity. He was a soul winner. He was a, he was a communicator of the good news of God's love and God's grace. Levi was an amazing role model. His position was, was full of responsibility, but he fulfilled it in reverence and therefore he was revered. His practice was to speak and preach the truth and uh, at no time was injustice found on his lips. Not only that, but he was a soul winner. His pattern, as we see his pattern, he not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk. He walked with the Lord in peace and equity and he led many away from sin. This is the role model that the priests of Malachi's day should have been following, but they didn't. Somebody dropped the ball. Somebody's father in the lineage of Levi dropped the ball somewhere. You know, dads, we need to be role models. I like what uh, Vody Balkum said this, the great preacher. He said, it has been said that as, the, uh, it has been said that as goes the family so goes the world. It can also be said that as goes the father, so goes the family. You know, we're living in a world of unrest and riots and, oh my goodness, we've got a lot of mess going on. And part of that, if not much of that, can be blamed on the fact that the West has now undervalued the role of the father. We've gotten so involved in feminism and decrying masculinity, that we have robbed fathers of their place and of their role that God has ordained for them. And we've lost respect for them. And some of them have earned that loss of respect. They've dropped the ball. Not only that, but we've lost respect for our institutional leaders. We no longer respect politicians. We no longer respect the media. We no longer respect police officers. We no longer respect teachers and even pastors and deacons. Now again, some of that disrespect is, has been earned because those individuals has not, have not lived up to what they should be living up to. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we have lost respect because society has said the father isn't necessary. Society has said that leaders aren't to be trusted. And so we've lost it. So, so Brother Balkum just basically said, as goes the father, so goes the family. As the family goes, so goes the world. So you see, fathers, why you and I need to be Levi-like role models because our children are depending upon us. Not only our children, but our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Not only our offspring and our children, but the community at large, the world. You know, when you come to church, and let me talk to you deacons and Sunday school teachers and ministry leaders, and I'm, I'm talking to myself as well as the other pastors. When we come to church, we must set an example. We must set an example of leadership, faithfulness, not only in this building, but also as we go about our lives, whether we are going to work, whether we're going to play, whether whatever we're going to do, we need to set an example. We need to be Levitical men of God. We need to use Him as a role model and live that life of peace, equity, and uh, good news. We need to be the man God wants us to be. 
Because fathers, again, at least I believe so, are the most important leaders on the face of the earth. Not only that, but church leaders. You know, you need to set an example of leadership for this family and for this body. If you can't do that, then don't be a leader. Step down. Be a man. Be a man of God and, and rise up to the occasion. So Levi, he was a role model, not only in his position, but also in his practice, and we need to follow his pattern. Unfortunately, as I said earlier, somebody somewhere, one of his descendants, maybe many of his descendants, dropped the ball until we come to the place of Malachi's day where the priests were lackadaisical, lazy, and indifferent. And so God, because of that, wants to share this with them. We see the result of their laziness. Look what he says. He says, the leaders have departed from God's word. Down in verse 8, he says, but you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant, or excuse me, the covenant or contract of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So the leaders departed from God's word, causing people to stumble. You know, when we're not living up to what we need to be, those who are following us, our children, our church members, our co-workers, whoever it might be, they're watching us and they're saying, well, he's supposed to be a godly man. He's supposed to be a Christian. If he's a leader and can do that, then I can do that. You know, there are a lot of things as a pastor and more importantly as a Christian father that I probably could do. I mean, they're not necessarily sinful. They're not necessarily wrong but I don't do them because of where they might lead. And so therefore, I'll sacrifice some of that enjoyment, some of that comfort, some of those things, so that my son and my daughter might become the kind of people that I want to be and, and need to be. Not only that, but church members. I, I, as a pastor of a church, I take that very seriously. I expect the deacons of this church to take that very seriously and the, and the, and the ministry leaders to take that very seriously. People are watching you. And if you fall away from the truth, if you fall away from the Word of God, you're going to cause stumbling. Not only that, but you'll corrupt Scripture. Levi's covenant was part of Scripture. And as we step away from God and we step away from His Word, we begin to mimic and mirror Scripture in a broken way. We're not living out and embodying the truths of Scripture. Instead, we call ourselves Christian. We say that we follow the Lord. We say that we love Jesus. And yet our bodies and our lives and our minds and our hearts don't demonstrate that. So the leaders departed from the, from the Word of God. They caused stumbling. They corrupted the Scripture. And therefore, God said He has departed from them. So he said, you have departed from the way, you have caused many to stumble, you have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. He says in verse 9, as we finish up, he says, therefore, because of that, I also have made you contemptible and base. God means business. God means business. So the blessing that they should have enjoyed, the honor that they should have enjoyed, he said, I've made you contemptible and base. I mean, let's face it, when we're not living up to what we should be living up to and not living up to what we say we believe, what happens? People call us hypocrite. They say we have a double standard. They begin to demean us and knock us down and laugh at us and disrespect us. It's what goes on. He said, I have made you contemptible and base before all the people because you have not kept my ways but have shown partiality in the law. What does that mean? Well, 
they followed the laws they liked and that were easy and comfortable, and the laws that required sacrifice, the laws that required effort, the laws that required something more, they just chose not to follow those. So they picked and choose, chose what they wanted to follow. They showed partiality in the law. Well, we, we do that. There are certain things in the Word of God that we don't want to do. You know, one of the things we, we do here at West Concord now that we've reopened is the wearing of masks. We're encouraging people to wear masks. We're encouraging people to put those on. You know, and I understand masks may not necessarily keep you from getting COVID, but masks will keep you from passing whatever you may or may not have to somebody else. Yet many people in the church today can't be bothered to wear a cloth over their face for just an hour. Let's, let's, let's not think about our brothers and sisters who are literally living day by day, life and death, trying to gather together to worship. You know, in some of our countries in this world, it is a death sentence if believers are, are gathered for worship. It's sad and heartbreaking. The early church met in a sewer. I imagine that was uncomfortable and stunk and didn't smell good. But they met in the sewer because, understand this, collective and, and corporate worship of God was more important than our comfort. So I encourage you leaders at West Concord Baptist Church, when you come on Sunday, put the masks on. I'm going to wear mine. And let's, let's be an example. Let's make sure we're here on time. Let's make sure we're in our word. Let's make sure we're ready to worship. Let's, let's lead our folks in that right decision, especially during these difficult times. Because our people, listen, my kids, your kids, our families, our church members, deacons, pastors, they're watching us. They're looking at us to see which way to go. If we lead them astray, we endanger not only the church and not only our families, but our own standing before God. So God basically said, listen, I'm tired of your laziness, your spiritual laziness. So the result of that is... They departed from God's word, so God departed from the leaders. Understand this, and again, this goes back to the fathers. You are a more important leader in, in the world than even I am in the church. You're a more important leader in this world than the president of the United States, a king of a country. You're more important a leader than any five-star general or any business mogul because you are the one who sets the tone for your family and if you're a believer, you set the tone for your church family. And again, deacons, other pastors, even me, I want to encourage all of us to stop on this Father's Day and revere our Heavenly Father and make sure that we are living the kind of life that we need to live as examples to the flock and more importantly, to our family and our children. I mean, it's not difficult to figure this out. As a matter of fact, let me leave you with another quote here, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud was the father of psychiatry, and he was an atheist. As a matter of fact, much of the psychological weirdness in our culture can be blamed on Sigmund Freud. I, I don't necessarily view him as somebody who contributed to our society. Matter of fact, I, I look at Sigmund Freud as somebody whose ideas caused even deeper problems and deeper harm. And he was an atheist. He didn't care about God. He didn't acknowledge God. But understand this, this is why I quote him. I'm not quoting him because I think he was great. I'm quoting him to make a point. Simon Freud, the father of psychiatry, and it was an atheist and an atheist, he theorized that one's attitude towards one's father largely shaped one's attitude toward God. 
Now that's coming from an atheist who said the attitude about one's father shapes their attitude toward God, which means the kind of father that your children perceive you to be bleeds into the whole philosophy of the kind of God they perceive God to be. You know, if you're harsh and mean and unkind and unforgiving, they see God that way. If you're absent, if you're not involved, if you have better things to do, they perceive God that way. But if you're gracious, sacrificial, if you mean what you say, walking in truth, equity, and strength of God, then they'll see God that way. So guys, you and I will help our children form their image of God. And also you leaders out there, whether you're a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, whether you're a ministry team leader or one of our pastors, and I'm including myself in this, people are watching us and they will see how we respond and react to what's going on in the world, all the politics, all the problems, the pandemic. They are watching us and they will formulate how they should respond and react first to God. What's sad is most people are getting all of their guidance from a fractured media or a messed up social media. And a lot of people are making decisions based on bad information, based on opinions, instead of being based on truth. You and I, men, need to make sure that we are not only teaching, but living the truth. I know that requires a lot. That requires us to be sacrificial. That requires us to be thoughtful, prayerful. That requires us to do due diligence, to know the Word of God so that we might accurately live it out. That requires us to take stands that are not popular. That requires us to make decisions that are not liked sometimes. But we need to take men like Levi as a role model and make sure we don't drop the ball the way his descendants did. Otherwise, our families, our church, our nation, and our world is going to wind up spiritually apathetic, complacent, and dishonoring God. So here's my challenge, and this challenge is pointed at me first. Pointed at me first, and also to all of you on this Father's Day. Dads and leaders, how are you shaping the attitude of your families and your followers? Yes, it is up to you. It is up to you. Listen, I'm the pastor of the church, but it's not my job to spiritually grow your family. My job is to give you the, the things you need to do that, uh, the truth of God's Word, an understanding of God's Word. But it's your job and my job to go home with our families and live out and teach the Word of God. Yes, I want us all to have a happy Father's Day. It's a very great responsibility to be a father, it is a great blessing to have or to have had a father. And if you're a gentleman who always wanted to be a father and you haven't been able to or you, you aren't there yet, listen, you may not be a father to your own children, but there are children in this church. There are children in the world. There are people who are looking to you, especially if you claim to be a Christian. They're looking at you to make sure that you're living by what you say you believe. And understand this, they're formulating their opinions about God and how to serve Him by you. Boy, that's a heavy, heavy burden. It is. It's a heavy burden. But it's well worth carrying because it's a God-given responsibility. And if we carry it in the Spirit and in the grace of God, God will bless us. God will honor us. That's a promise. 
He said thus about Levi, and we can live in Levi's shadow and follow him as he followed God. And so therefore, I want to leave you with that, a word to the wise, but also to the otherwise. You know, I appreciate those who led me to Jesus Christ. I remember when I first was told how I can be saved by admitting my sin, confessing my sin, going to Him and receiving Jesus by faith. I remember the, the guys in high school who told me that message. And one of the things I'll always cherish and appreciate them for is not only did they bring me the message of the gospel, but they did and they continue to live it out today. And they're still my dear and close friends. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that first thing you do after you turn this video off is bow to God. Confess that you're a sinner. All of us are. I am, you are. Confess also to God that you know you cannot take away your sin. There's nothing you can do religiously or by reforming that can take away your sin. It's, it's, it's something that you're born with. It's what you have. We need to come and understand that Jesus left heaven to come and die for our sin, to take the place of us on the cross, to die for us and pay for our sin debt, pay for everything we've ever done wrong. He took the blame. He was buried and three days later rose again from the dead. And we need to acknowledge that and we need to place our full faith and confidence in Jesus. If you've never done that, do that. But this morning, again, I want to leave you with a sober challenge to you, West Concord, especially to your fathers, to the leaders in this church. Be the man God wants you to be. Be the man your children and the people of this church need you to be. Be the man this world wants you to be. And we will then see change and we will be a blessing. I'll see you soon. God bless you. I love you. Take care. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.